Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're doing several things here. We're going through the MCU timeline in historical order, scene by scene or day by day until the end of time. And I'm also working on really enunciating historical order because it sounds the most slurred uh, speech that I ever have is when I say historical order. Like the Rolger. Anyways, that's what we're What's doing. What's historical order? Historical order. What's a what is that? Historical orders. Ooh, yummy and timeless. Or <laughs> or uh, very moldy. <laughs> uh, okay, listen, folks, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we're we're just gonna Let's basically do jump it. right into it. Yeah, uh, we are going to be talking about Agents of Shield season seven, episode eight, in three separate chunks. Okay, here's the first bit. 1552 to 24.03. Then you're going to skip ahead a minute and 10 seconds to 25 minutes and 13 seconds and go until 38.57. Then you're going to skip for about a minute and a half and start at 40.39 and go until the end of the episode. Okay. Colin, before you get into the synopsis, I just really want to quickly say... One of those is for aesthetic value that I'm really happy with, and that's the second cut. And the first cut is because of a flashback that is a flash forward because time is weird, and I love it very, very much. I just wanted to I say feel that. You. I feel you. Yeah. And uh, I feel you. Oh. That's, I feel what? you in this Chili's tonight. Um, here we go. Uh, here we go. I like when I'm you gone. do the he-he type of laugh. That's, it's very... <laughs> it's very not common, but when you get it, you're like, oh, it's a good reference. Yeah, it is a good, yeah. Because it's not that it's funny. It's that it's 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 something that has like kind of tickled your brain a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, I didn't that's see it coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what she uh, said. Back on the Zephyr, they are quickly doing <laughs> repairs, trying to figure out what their next course of action is. They have 10 minutes to figure out a plan before jumping into oblivion. Deke thinks that he has a fix to get them to the time drive, and tells Sousa to stand back since there'll be a powerful blast of electricity and explains electricity is dangerous. What a <laughs> condescending little... <clears throat> sorry. Uh, uh, Sousa says, you know, I know about electricity. Do I look like a Neanderthal to you? Which Enoch then replies to uh, having to talk about how he spent time with them and Sousa does not resemble them. There is a... It's not a long pause, but there's a palpable enough pause where clearly everyone just sort of stops and kind of does a little bit of like, a, okay, let's just reset. <laughs> and then they actually reset everything. All systems go green on the ship briefly before a large spark, because electricity is dangerous, and then the sound of something powering down. But it's not the time drive. That is still going strong. Right. Down on the ground at Afterlife, Shaying knocks on the door. May is already awake, watching the time, literally staring at her watch, while Yo-Yo lightly snores. Uh Yo-Yo goes... goes Snow, snow. It kind of goes like the dad watching TV route, right? She's she's knocked out, but then just... And then there's the knock, and she, the way she goes... You know, like just kind of like... Yeah. There's like a little snort almost, and like jolts awake, like sits up yeah. almost like, I wasn't asleep. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, uh, She walks in. She says, I hope, you know, I hope you got some, got some sleep or some rest. And May says, one of us did, which I also think is one of two things. To be very clear, I know I, I was going to save this for a later note, but I'm just going to go get into it now. It is either one of us needs to be awake to make sure that we're on guard, 
or two, she could not sleep through the snoring. And yeah. so she was just awake, which I think is both are equally kind of funny and uh, special about May, you know? So they discuss the tests and they find out that it is psychological and not physical what's getting mm-hmm. in the way of this, uh, of her powers. She's like, oh, come on, blah, blah. you know, typical kind of like, you know, denial of situations like, oh, yeah. could it possibly be psychological? Surely it says, no, blah, blah. They go back and forth. They go over the issue at hand and then how Agent May's power may be the key to figuring this whole thing out. Feelings aren't really her thing. They're really not. Again, the two least like feeling people basically on the yeah. ship having to talk about feelings. It's very funny. Um, there's almost a direct spash cut to the two of them sitting on the floor in a very ASMR massage ambiance type atmosphere, touching each other's arms. Um, and then uh, uh, Jain comes over with a glass saying, this will help strengthen the bond between your subconscious and your conscious mind. Yo-Yo drinks it. May says, is that whiskey? And if so, I want a lot of it. The most Yo-Yo. Aaron King line of all time. Yeah. Uh, Yo-Yo grimaces, herbs and some dirt. But at this point, I'll try anything. Jaying <laughs> leaves them alone to work. They try and they struggle. There's a lot of inability to work in this way. Feelings of embarrassment from Yo-Yo. Mostly also kind of May just kind of being... Uh, not adherent. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 just not about it. Like it's 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 not yeah. comfortable for Resistant. either of them. Yeah. Resistant, yeah. yeah. Uh, but finally, as they talk it out, they figure out a different way to have physical contact, and it feels more them. Sparring. Yeah. So as they begin to fight in the room, Yo-Yo and May begin feeling and experiencing moments from her past. On the Zephyr, things are progressing, much like the ship. Daisy is still falling apart, but much like their hopeful future, Coulson is finally being put back together. The two of them reconnect and talk about the missing year, about him just being a TV. Johnson talks about how Sousa saved her life, and speaking of Sousa, by the way, Gemma then meets up with him and uh, as he's preparing to jump ship, because he's like, ah, I don't want to be here if it you know, yeah. does this thing. Uh, and uh, he's getting back into his military mindset. Uh, but she meets up with him and gives him a new prosthetic leg, a major upgrade from his 1950s tech, which I need to make a note of and come back to that in a moment. Yeah, okay. As Gemma leaves, he tosses her a walkie-talkie just as the ship jumps. On the ground, Yo-Yo tells May the story of her uncle's death, which we could do the voiceover for, but there's also an actual scene happening, so I'm going to let you know that this is the thing that happens but we will be discussing it in just a few years' time. So we will come back to it, but I, I needed to give the context for what's coming up in right. the next couple moments. So that's what happens. Uh, she explains that she still feels guilty for that, and May tells her that she needs to forgive herself. They hear Lee calling for Jaying from out in the hall. When May investigates, she finds that Cora has caused major damage to her room and taken out a guard. Jaying and Lee, are, uh, who are already in the room, explain that Korra cannot control her powers, and that some of the Inhumans uh, are there believe that she needs to be uh, killed, uh, but also others believe that she is worth saving. Jaying tells May that they wanted to learn about Rodriguez's power because they wanted to learn how they could take away Korra's gifts. Lee realizes Korra has taken the guard's gun and assumes she's going to hurt people. May hints that the only person she's going to hurt is herself. In a field outside of the community, we see Cora running and eventually putting the gun to her forehead. 
But before she can pull the trigger, the gun is broken into pieces and Malik approaches her. Doesn't she put it up underneath her chin? Oh, she might. Yeah, sorry. I think I I actually wrote head, but again, as sometimes as I'm reading quickly, I just sort of fill in the blank. So yeah, you're right. It is to her chin. Um, she's trying to go up through the brain, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll give it again. In a field outside the community, we see Cora running and eventually put the gun to her head. But before she can pull the trigger, the gun is broken to pieces and Malik approaches her. The unfortunately newly superpowered villain explains that they were both fated to die, but that he can change that. Thus, he quickly convinces her to join him as he and his friends attack Afterlife in the process. Yo-Yo is attacked by a soldier in her room, and with her power still not working, she is saved by May. On the Zephyr, Simmons leaves a note for Leo Fitz. Oh, wait, nope. Sorry, I got to skip that part. Sorry. Uh, in afterlife, right? I had to skip that part, isn't it? No. Because they skipped earlier. Did they skip to the same day? Yeah. Because they're oh. getting, they're skipping, they're shorter jumping shorter. like a, Okay, yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay. I have that highlighted. So, okay, here we go. Uh, blah, blah, blah. On the Zephyr, Simmons leaves a message for Leo Fitz before Shaw brings her to the bridge to prepare for May and Rodriguez's return. As she goes to join them, the ship makes another jump. In Afterlife, the two agents and some Inhumans fight off some of Malik's soldiers. They hear Johnson's powers from around the corner and investigate to find Malik using these powers. Jaine confronts Korra, who is standing by Malik's side, and attempts to convince her to come back to them. In doing so, she gives away that Korra is her daughter. <gasps> what? Another a daughter reveal? Two daughters? Wow. Some people are so selfish. Korra is not convinced, uh, though. <laughs> and Lee attempts to attack her. She unleashes her powers and burns Lee's face. When she turns uh, toward the others, they regroup with Gordon, who teleports them to the Quinjet. There, the agents assure Jaying that they will help her in her fight against Malik. Gordon teleports away with Jaying and with the shield agents, uh, sorry, and the shield agents, rather, head back to the Zephyr. On the Zephyr, the team waits for May and Rodriguez, but are losing hope that they will make it back in time. Mackenzie gives the order to abandon ship, Meanwhile, May and Rodriguez look for the Zephyr, which suddenly appears right in front of them. They manage to dock, but Rodriguez breaks the news that she still cannot use her powers. Mackenzie once again tells everyone to abandon the Zephyr. As May prepares to get the team out, she tries to tell Rodriguez that it is not her fault and that she will bounce back. Rodriguez begins to explain that maybe she is not supposed to, which makes her think... And then she realizes that the mental block that she has provided for herself. She uses her powers to run to the drive and fix the problem, but does not bounce back to her original location like a yo-yo, as her powers would usually make her do. She's more like a slingshot now. Exactly. Unfortunately, not all of the problems are fixed. Back on the ground, Malik and Cora look over a number of inhuman prisoners. And then Malik explains that he wants to shake things up a little and introduce a little anarchy. Shake. <laughs> very, good, very good. It's shake and quake and I helped. <laughs> Two different jokes that I got there for you. Very good. I like them both in different Thanks. ways. Like children. Uh, what's one more? James? Um, hey, what's, what's shaking? 
Not Let's, bad. The, okay. <laughs> Not bad. Shake what your Daisy gave you. Oh, in his case, the powers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shake, I mean, shake what Daisy's mama gave her. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair Cora. enough, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> you have to join me. That's me putting my hands on her shoulders and yeah. just being like, wake up. Anyway, uh, James, thoughts? Uh, yes, thoughts, for sure. Um, I have two main questions. No, okay. no. I have one sentence, one statement, and one question. Okay. So the, here comes the statement. Ready? Here it comes. Yep. And this is the statement. I absolutely love a, wait, what did you just say? Epiphany. One of my favorite <laughs> things of all time. It should come as no surprise that I love the National Treasure movies and like Da Vinci Code and stuff as yeah. much as I do. Because that they are structured literally entirely on, wait, say what you just said. Well, I said, oh, it's almost like the Washington Monument had a treasure right. in it. Wait a minute. I think the Washington Monument has a treasure in it. Like, well, I think I think that's the kind of cool thing about like movies in terms of that regard. I think it's cool when you have a literal genius and then someone who is street smarts who doesn't recognize that they have stumbled into an answer. Right. Right. Because the thing is, they are smarter than they give themselves credit for because they're also able to look at things in a totally different way. So they say something that is then like the other person could not have solved it without that person's like yeah. kind of literally more street sensed ideas, you know? Yeah, the Krasminski effect for sure. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like that's what this is. But what's cool is that like she has that moment with herself, which I think is yeah. also, uh, I think like to, to piggyback off of your statement, I feel like that is so powerful for this moment in particular. Absolutely. Because she created the mental block and so then she can remove it. Yeah. Without literally, I mean, it's nice that she had all this conversation and she had this stuff with May to sort of recognize this stuff. But yeah. like May was really only there to help get her to open up. At the end of the day, like Yo-Yo, Elena, right. Slingshot, Rodriguez, uh, did all of the work on her own. Yeah, exactly. I, I like presenting I think... her as if she is doing her confirmation name. Yeah, I was like, going to say. Yo-Yo, Slingshot, Rodriguez. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. These damn Catholics with all their names. Um, I love like making you laugh so much that I can see your mic clipping. Like from here, as <laughs> your mic has a little light on it. I like that so many times tonight. I've made you laugh enough that I can see your mic flash red. That let. Oh, oh well, that's that's a problem. I need to not be able to see that. All right, so. <laughs> All right, we'll specifically not look at that. Nope, can't cover that. Anyways, um, I think there's something also powerful about the distinction where Jay Ying says it's uh it's in your head, and Elena's like, I'm not faking it, right. and she's like, just because it's psychological doesn't mean it's it, you're doing it on purpose. And I think right. that that's a really powerful, like especially with like the doctors don't believe women all the time, and doctors don't believe people of color all the time. Sort of tests don't always show that whatever. I think Jay Ying does something very powerful here, which is it can be psychological and also a block that you have trouble removing. It's also a lot to say about people who are in um, positions like she is in, like people who are like super powered or honestly just like in high stakes situations like this to not consider mental health to be a thing yeah, in a way. Sure. Cause it, it, it's very much like, okay, I'm going to make a reference to a show that I know that you haven't watched. Um, but uh, 
it is something that is relevant to things that well, we have or other actors and stuff like that that we talked about before. Uh, there's a show called Ruby, R-W-B-Y. Um, it is a animated series made by Rooster Teeth. Um, and in it, the main That's character, how that's pronounced? Yeah. It's because it's it's also kind of like a play on a bunch of things because it's the first letter of all of their names. Literally Ruby, uh, uh-huh. Weiss, Blake, and Yang. Okay. Right? So it's they're, the first four, the first letter of each of their names come together to make Ruby. And they're almost, almost every one of the teams that you come across are colors and they use the first letter. But it's always like, you know, a little bit of a mix of something to get mm. there. So you have like gotcha. Juniper is from like J uh, for Jean, uh, J-A-U-N-E. Uh, I'm forgetting. Uh, Nora, Pira, and um, Ren, right? So it's like things like that, right? But again, it's like that. It's a it's like a happenstance situation. I'm putting that in quotes. Right. But like, you know, her name is Ruby Rose. And so then because she's in the team leader, they're team Ruby. So right. Yeah. Anyway, gotcha. the the thing though about this though is that she is the she's the main character. She's also the youngest person on the team, and she's the leader. And so for mm. eight seasons, or really eight and a half seasons, she's kind of always been the person that they end up leaning on, right? She's always the person that they go to. She's kind of always having to kind of keep the positivity, keep all these other things. But it's interesting to see that as the seasons go, she, her mental health is kind of deteriorating because right. people aren't exactly keeping up with her in the same way that she has to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, I, I it's like that thing of we've all been through these things. So it should be yeah. tough on all of us. But some of them aren't recognizing enough that they haven't been there in the same way that she has. You know, and so right. like it's so it it hits a you know a thing. But like for her to like when you literally see in this season's like trailer, not trailer, in their theme song, other people, despite all this bad stuff that they've been through, they're still kind of now keeping their heads up strong. They're like, okay, we're kind of getting our we're getting our act together. We've got it figured out, I think. And so now we're standing up a little bit taller. We're moving forward, and she is like dragging behind a little bit more and more. Kind of, you can just see how tired she is, right? And is this that an actual thing. play or an audio drama? No, it's a animated series. Animated series. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry. So, uh, so like you know, you see all this stuff happen, right? And it's like the idea, though. I, again, I know it's a long uh, explanation, but like she just hit the fan like in a recent episode, at least from when we're recording on uh, April tenth, twenty twenty three. So. Like she finally has had this, this sort of break, and it's because she has always been this kind of big, tough, you know, character to some extent. I mean, she's right. very young and naive and sort of childlike wonderment kind of situation. But sure. like because she's the leader, she's had this big, tough exterior. Right. Uh, but you know, because of because of this again, like she's never really thought about her mental health really. And like right. and they never consider that. And so that's the same thing with Rodriguez, right? To be like out here doing all these things and to be like, uh, no, like I'm fine. Like mentally I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm right. I'm capable of pushing through whatever I'm dealing with and, you know, dealing with, you know, whatever. And then like eh, Yeah. This is not something that you necessarily just like push through. Right. You know? Yeah. Um I think yeah, this sort of this sort of dovetails into the other thing I wanted to talk about. I know that they kind of had a squabble during the 1950s with the like, do you think I want to talk about this? Do you think I want to talk about this? Right. 
am I forgetting some sort of season six, season five, season four thing where Elena and May hate each other? No, I don't think that's what it is. I think that there, it. I think this is all kind of coming from when they but, were in the future. The the okay, 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 okay. Uh, because okay. there's a lot of stuff that kind of. I think that this is. I mean, again, this is another so situation of like stuff. kind of trauma. Yeah, like a PTSD sort that of people haven't really worked through. Right. Right. And. Think of like all the different things that they have both now been through. Right. Just since that time. I mean, things like the Shrike, which again, we'll eventually get to. Um, <laughs> or, you know, the event that puts May in the pod that we sure. find her waking up in in 1931. Right. Like, right. they are both people who are tough. Right. They don't talk about their feelings to begin with. And right. I think that they are friends. I think they get along. Well, because like, go ahead. Sorry. The... I, I agree with you, and and that's ironic because I think that the line "finally something we can agree on" is a weird line to write, especially since they literally said May isn't big on feelings. That's right, she isn't. In the previous scene, like, why? When have they not agreed with each other? Again, I think I think this is also again just the the thing about the situation that they're in, right? Like. We, something that we've also been discussing a little bit over the last like multiple episodes of Agents of Shield, which also yeah. I think sometimes when you have that those time jumps kind of makes you forget about certain these yeah, things. Yeah. But like think of again going back to all these things they've been dealing with, and the two of them I think really going through potentially some of the more traumatic moments for sure for between sure. between like everyone in the group and like the last couple of seasons, um, and then always being like that. No, but I'm strong. I'm tough. I can push through it whatever and then having these hugely traumatic moments as well um yeah that like they just never touch on they never talk about um and then they're now in this situation in which they have to again be tough and just not they don't get to rest they don't get to whatever so i think it's that thing of when they start the season they're like okay i think we got a handle on it and as they continue to go through those those 10 steps ahead and all this other stuff. Right. People are just sort of, I think, butting heads in a way because it's like, I mean, Deacon, Deacon uh, Mac are butting heads for a multitude of reasons, right? Um, right. But then they kind of get their act together. Same with this. I think it's a bunch of duos that you see working through their own issues in different times. I don't think they necessarily have issues with each other okay. per se. I think it's just a matter of like, we're both exhausted. This situation is terrible. And like, we're friends, but they're also not like, best friends so yeah. like why would she necessarily share some of those things with may but like right. you know, the idea of like you know what's going on with you but then also may's also not telling her something so it's like okay fine you want me to talk about it like right. again it's that thing of when you're tired and someone kind of challenges you so yeah. you don't just instead of like doing something you kind of fire back a little bit the way that she's oh, like uh -huh. do you want to talk about it yeah, right. sorry, James, that was a little bit pointed at you, sorry. Um, wow. Not intentionally, but you mentioned it, and all of a sudden I went, oh, yeah, I guess, huh. Yeah. We have done that on this show. I mean, yeah. not on the show, but you know what I'm saying, but like. Right. Um, or have we? Ooh. Or. Sorry. <laughs> that, I should be very specific. No, that hasn't. Um, but. Um, it just felt weird. It's that one line that sticks with me, finally with something we can agree on, feels like it should have been something else, because it sort of feels feels like we should have been getting sort of an odd couple vibe from them this whole time. 
like if Mac and Deke had said finally something we can agree on, I'm like, okay. But this okay, this know, it felt it felt like I had missed something and, and I'm glad to hear you say like I haven't. It's just sort of everyone's on No, water. but it's it's also like again, like again, if you think back on it, right? A lot of this season, now granted, there's gonna be a little bit of stuff where um you have a couple people who do kind of two different duos, right? Right. right. So like Gemma and Enoch, but then also Deke and Gemma, right? Right. There's a lot of scenes between Gemma and like one of those two people, right? Right. There's a lot of scenes between Coulson and Daisy. Yes. There's also a lot of scenes between Daisy and Sousa. And right. Gemma and Sousa is, is a thing that they briefly touch upon too. A little bit. I, I feel like I, I almost included that, but I felt like we haven't seen that one as, I mean, it's there quite a bit, but it's not right. like as many as the other ones sure. because I feel like that is more to give us a touchstone for the moment for the prosthetic leg, which thank you for saying that because I almost forgot to come back to that. Right. Um, so re- keep that. Right. I, I'll remember fresh. it because I want, I want to make a joke and then you can get into your actual thing okay, sure, sure. about the prosthetics. Um, but the other thing though is that, um, and then the other combo again is Deke and Mac, right? And right. then, and then uh, Enoch and, and Elena and Elena and Deke, like, Deke and Elena had that com- that conversation they about did. like they status did, like, quo and in the beginning, but that, that's the other thing, yeah. though, right? It's like they had that combo, and then they kind of really never have that combo again, right? So that's kind of a, a an, another like brief kind of one, yeah. But May and uh, Elena have been teamed up multiple times in this season, right? Right, because uh, they're the girls that aren't Daisy or Gemma, right? But it's also like they're you know, for example, like a good example is in the one where they go to the base for the. Uh, the project, whatever it's called, I forgot the name of yeah. it again. Insight. Um, in, no, not insight. The other one, the one where they're doing the powers. Helios. 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 Right. So in that one, for example, they were put together because they were women, but that's because they needed two pilots. Women pilots, right? But they're exactly. also they're also fighters. You know what I mean? So it's right. like we have the two kind of sciency people over here, and then we have this person. You know, so it's like, what's it called in 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 like D and D like tanks? And then what is Gemma? Gemma's probably a wizard of some sort, honestly. A brain, sort of like a like someone that someone that has wisdom, you know, okay. for sure. Any okay. kind of character that's wisdom heavy, I would. I they would don't say have a name for it. Like you need your character needs a tank and. A, something. I don't know what she would be. I mean, like she might be a healer in a way. Okay. Oh yeah. Good. Know? Okay. Cool. She cool, could cool. be a healer. Uh, yeah. So uh, no, but I think the thing is like because they've been put into scenes together quite a bit. Yeah. That's what the finally is about. Because okay. again, I don't think they're mad at each other. It's just that okay. thing of as things progress, and it's the person that you're always around, right. you end up either not agreeing or just like both. I think there are times where you both technically agree that something is bad or bullshit, but like because you're just experiencing the bad thing with that person, you're kind of equating right. them with that right. a little bit, yeah. you know, whether you mean to or not. Yeah. Um, and so again, it's the same thing as like saying that finally something we can agree on. What's actually funny to me is that I don't necessarily see that as being like a fully truthful thing, because I feel like right. you could have said that, as you said, during the the previous night or previous moment, rather, when they're doing the, she's not about feelings. She's really not, right? Yeah. I think that it's more of now that we're kind of getting a little bit back to normal, yeah. this is something that I can say that's a little funny that can kind and, of break that tension a little bit. And here, here's exactly here's exactly where I get hung up. If I was sitting awkwardly with someone and they said finally something we can agree on, I would immediately be like, What uh Are we fighting what do you, as you what do you mean? Say. 
like are we is this a fight like seriously like it would stop me up and i was like if that's just a phrase you're saying to be cute stop it because well, again it's also reading the situation i think that's a thing where she knows that if she says that to her she'll yeah. be like oh, okay haha all right yeah yeah i'm with you you know okay prosthetics uh, okay, so now that we've talked about that, finally something that we can agree on this last little bit that we've addressed. Uh, <laughs> are we funny? Are, are you mad at me? Um, no, but uh, I want to get back to that because this is an interesting thing in terms of looking at Susa and something that like, I don't know how to address this. She shows up and she shows him a prosthetic leg, Right. As if to say, to replace what you have. Right. Which is the second time this season that she has given someone, like, Gemma loves giving people prosthetics. Right. But here's the thing, my 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 guy. I always assumed that he had his actual leg. It was just injured the way that... No. Remember he said, uh, what things that we lost on the battlefield, his sense of humor, and my leg... Right. Okay. No. But here's what I'm saying. Like in 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 Agent Carter, yeah, they never, to me, make it seem as though he has that he has a prosthetic leg. To me, it's always a limp. Right. Like think right. of how like, yeah, Tony can move around and walk around because he's got like a magnet in his chest right now. Right. Like because he has the arc reactor and like that's fine. But think of think of the way that he kind of hobbled around that cave, right? Because he has this car battery and this thing chunked into him. And also, really, he's still got shrapnel in his body, right? Like, to me, this was like a, we did our best to save your leg, like Dr. House, right? You know? Right. But you've, you've gotten nerve damage. You've gotten all sorts of things, right? Because there's yeah. never, I feel like there are so many moments in Agent Carter where you could have shown that he has a prosthetic leg. Colin yeah. M. Parker, one T in the Matthew. I need to tell you about the other T, which is for Tumblr. I just found this post from Tumblr.com, meanderings0ul.tumblr.com from uh, two years ago called Sousa's Leg. With Sousa having recently joined the very advanced prosthetic club with Colson, former member, kinda, and Yo-Yo, I had some thoughts about the similarities and differences that might be present with the change. There was debate throughout, throughout while watching Agent Carter, while Agent Carter was airing on what exactly the situation with Sousa's leg was. His gait throughout season one was quite stiff, and a crutch allowing him to distribute a lot of weight to his arm and shoulders was a necessity. This led some to propose his war injury led to a transfemoral amputation of his leg, meaning the loss of a knee joint, an exchange about where he got injured between he and Thompson in season one, episode four of Agent Carter gave some weight to this theory with Sousa's snarky reply about his femur. However, in season two of Agent Carter, his gait is steadier, and more importantly, we see him crawl without much difficulty when looking for the misplaced ring. We see him balance on his knees and crawl again with ease in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season seven, episode six. This alone suggests the loss of leg was below the knee joint. Because yeah, here's, again, it's so interesting to me. In my head, they've never mentioned a prosthetic for him. Right. You know what I mean? They've mentioned like, he lost the leg, but they didn't mention, so what is that? Right. Like with Lieutenant Dan, they, you know, showed he it. got no and, legs, right? Right. Like, and they tap on the aluminum or whatever. Right. But, but but that's my thing. Like, again, like, it's so interesting that, like, even when he does say at one point, like, I'm like, I la- lost my leg, that to me doesn't necessarily mean that he physically lost the the full 
meat and bone of his leg. It's the idea of I had a functioning leg and now here I am with this thing that kind of is almost like a, a, a dead foot, you know, or whatever, however you call that. Or no, it's not dead foot, but like that's probably not the appropriate way of saying it either. But just this idea of like this heavily injured thing because I always assumed that he basically had like a brace on, you know? Well, he, hold on one sec. I found the line. You know, after I got hit at the field hospital, the chaplain asked me, was there anyone I wanted to send my effects to should you know the worst happened? I told him I didn't think my dad had much use for two pairs of green socks and an old paperback. Let him remember my life, you know. Of course, I didn't die, which was inconvenient because the chaplain had already trashed my footlocker. Still missing half my stuff. Can't find my leg anywhere. Interesting. It's just, that's so fascinating that I somehow never caught that line. But it's just, I don't know, it's that weird thing of, you know, it's it it is it's it's we talked about the line but we never talked about how so what is he walking on right i mean i guess it's just i get um, listen i'm not saying that you have to prove that you have a prosthetic no. leg or whatever no of course but it not. feels like weird that you would never really because again the amount of times that he's been knocked out knocked over right. things like that how has he never been in a situation where you see him adjusting and putting it back on whatever right. you know like that is it's such a weird situation yeah. You know, and to me, it was always like a thing of like, we've seen Colson lose the hand. We've seen Elena lose the arms, <sighs> you know? <sighs> yeah. And like, in like brutal ways, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, just the fact that like, we, I've, I feel like it was always so vague to me at yes, least. Absolutely. That I never really knew what his situation was. Yes. Um, And again, the, the other thing to me was that he walked very similar to me, in my mind, as my grandfather who had polio, right? right? Um, the like the specific way that like he leaned on his crutch because it felt like his leg was almost a little shorter or something, which to me felt like also very house, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of his leg doesn't have full mobility because right. they tried to save it, but there there you know certain things like atrophied or died or whatever, so right. they kept what they could, but. There were going to be limitations, you know? Right. Um, but, like, there was nothing, there was never, like, a clank, nothing. Like, the amount of time, I mean, no one ever, we never see anyone, like, kick Sousa in the shin. Right. Right? But, like, it's kind of like, how do we go two seasons? I mean, okay, here's another good point, right? He tussles with Dottie at one point. Right. Surely, if he had a prosthetic, she would be able to recognize that instantly and use well, that to her advantage. And he attacks her with the crutch. Right. And then I think she sweeps the leg. Right. But she would surely try and remove the leg right. if it was a That's, prosthetic. Right. Or like or like really do something in a way that would damage it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. Like if she you know like you know the way that sometimes you'll see someone in a movie, like an action movie, like kick a knee or like an elbow yes. to essentially shatter it. Yes. To do that, but to the center of the bone, quote unquote, of the right. prosthetic, the, the to like prosthetic, yeah. bend the, you know, right. to, to do something. And also, I mean, again, I'm also thinking of in the 1950s, surely prosthetic limbs were not that silent. Right. You know, I feel like you would have to hear some sort of creak, some sort of whatever. It just feels like they kind of had this idea, but they never maybe had the budget to show it. So they just sort of were like pretend it's there. 
he has know. to not be just another white guy that can walk around like that uh, you know hasn't been injured and and is is whatever so we have to give him this you know injury right but we're not going to expound upon it i i linked i put the link in the in the spreadsheet for the tumblr it's mm-hmm. a long post that you know you know i love a long post about a very specific little tiny thing uh that goes into it. Um, maybe we can put that in the show notes uh, when we post this episode. Yeah. There's a TLDR at the end, which is very funny because it's a, corre- a correctly used TLDR. Um, like, because it's a very long post. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah. one of those things yeah. where I remember when I saw this, I was thinking like, I, I remember seeing it the very first time I watched this and I guess it just didn't really fully connect then. Right. But when I was watching it again in my head, I was going, why did they spend Basically, since the time we started talking about Sousa, in my brain, he had like braces on his leg. Right. Almost, you know, almost Forrest Gump style. Right. You know, and that was and that was maybe it. I have literally never made the connection between young Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan. Never in my entire fucking life have Mm. I made that amazing connection. Holy crap. (sighs) Ah. I know people like rag on Forrest Gump. I like that movie. Which I never a lot. really kind of get. I'll be honest with you. Forrest Gump feels like a good movie. I think it I think people think it's sort of like a fan service in a Marvel movie, but for history. Yeah. I mean, I to me, like it's interesting. I, I don't know. I guess it depends on like how you pr- choose to observe things. But to yeah. me, it was just like, how much American history can we put into one movie? Right. And like, in a way, how kind of funny is it to just have a man like, because the thing is, like, a lot of the times when you have a movie like that, it's always about, like, how great this person is because they were, they seeked and earned achievement by, right. like, trying to be the very best of everybody, like, because they had to be the best. But just Forrest Gump being a humble, just sort of like, I just sort of go where life takes me kind of man and magically ending up in these positions and spots where he ends up here, you know, again, it's it's, yeah. it's almost happenstance at almost yes. every given point. And it it it's charming in that way versus yes, being like forced to be like, and then because he's so perfect, he did this. And then because he's so perfect, he does that, you know? It's Forrest Gump, not Forrest Gump. Come on, everyone. <laughs> that's very good. And that's based on what you said. And so. Yeah. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Anyway, so back to the point. So I, I think the that's point, a very though, interesting point. It that, just felt interesting and weird. Yeah. And that with Elena, it was like, yeah, her prosthetics holy crap what is she gonna do they're electric and we can't you know whatever with him it's like i guess this is a problem that needed solving like it was extending an olive branch in a way but we didn't realize that the olive branch needed to be extended in that way like it was yeah i agree i had never thought about that that's very interesting really opening my eyes there colin good job thanks yeah no i just i felt like it was a. I don't know. It was just yeah. a, a very interesting moment when I was watching it again today. And like, again, my memory of what happens in that scene. And when I saw it, it was a leg. I went, I had to look back at it. And I went, did they basically figure out that they can't save his leg, like in the muscles in it? But they're saying, listen, we can knock you out, chop it off, throw this sucker on, and you'll never know the difference. Or is this a confirmation that he's always... Right. Just been this way. And like right. that kind of blew my mind a little bit that I was like, 
if this is the case, I was like, and I even said to myself, it's not my notes, but I did say there might be lines that I glanced over because I was just like, we talk about his leg from time to time. You know, we don't need to get into it every single time. And because of that, I accidentally skipped over important context clues. But like in this one moment, I was like, have we never got a definitive statement about this man's leg? Because also think about if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, Agent Carter writers always were like, yeah, we say this because again, it's like a, it's a way of saying I quote unquote left my leg in quotes, meaning like a good functioning leg. And now what I've got is this, you know, right. this sort of, you know, this, this, this thing that you can barely call a leg or whatever. I don't know how right. to say that. That feels a little right. gross to say it like that, but that's sort of the emotion that I got. Right. Uh, but like then instead to be like, uh, no, actually he always had a prosthetic, but like maybe they said it the other way. And then agents of she was like, cool. And then we fix his prosthetic and someone who wrote for Daniel Sousa goes, he doesn't have a, wait, hey, I just, hey, did you guys like get on the text chain? Did you just see that they just gave Sousa a new prosthetic leg? And they're like, yeah. what do you mean new? It's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He never had one. You know, like, who knows? I don't know what that was, you know, because again, there was never, a, I feel like even with those line readings, it just feels like there was never a definitive thing from the source itself to me. It It feels like, yeah. I, I can see how you interpret that way, and also the standard. I feel I feel weird saying this, but sort of there's a scene, or a you know when I wake up before I put on my makeup, sort of scene where you attach the prosthetic or you Correct. address the prosthetic. There's, there's almost always that exact situation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I always took it literally because as I'm I'm growing uh, more and more aware of my uh, brain and how it works, I. Uh, have far more literal minded thinking than I thought. Um, so that never was a question for me. My thought was always, uh, they're giving him, they're giving him this prosthetic so that he doesn't have to do the limp anymore. So that Enver, you know, Enver G can. Yeah. I don't want to say walk act. like normal, but like he doesn't have to have the limp anymore. If they give him the advanced prosthetic sort of deal. Correct. Like, yeah. Um, yeah walk as if he had not had any troubles with his legs. Correct. Better than the other one. But yeah, I that's so funny that I'd never even considered that they never addressed it. There was never any clanking. There was never, it was never, not that it needs to be a plot device, but it was never a character trait. That's Correct. it. It's It was never a character trait. It was never on his character sheet that he had any issues with his leg. Right. I was like, the only issue that we knew was that sometimes he couldn't move as fast as others and he right. might make a slight comment about it, but like, right. you know, it's, you know, he never, yeah. he, you know, he, he just, he, it's also actually, you know, funny enough, kind of a little bit leaning into the idea of, you know, people just having to be strong. Yeah. The way that he's just kind of like, yeah, it's, it's what happened and I'm yeah. just going to keep pushing forward. It's not a big deal. <laughs> despite it technically being, you know, he just deal. went to the gym a whole bunch and just got, his he you know he did pt he in california yeah, yeah he he just yeah he 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 toughed through his uh leg issues and just sort of i uh, i can't remember what out. what this is from but like the idea of someone being like what is this from where they're like uh you died he's like i got better yeah what is that better. that's uh monty python right maybe it I might be better. yeah yeah um all right uh I think that's all that I have. I, uh, Cora and Nathaniel, you know, strong praying on the week is a is a classic trope. You know, 
sort of villain finding uh, someone wavering on the edge of loyalty sort of deal. Um, Finding connection. Like there's a whole bunch of sociopathic Ted Bundy style. Like look how, look at all these connections we have, you know, anarchy as a romantic lore. Yeah. Sort of stuff. Um, Yeah. Also. Yeah. That's also so interesting to me. The, the concept of someone being like, Oh yeah. Anarchy like feels like, fun or cool it's like hey actually though yeah do you know bad it actually i mean like how yeah truly unhinged that actually is anarchy always really stresses me out because i'm like but if there's no laws or whatever then how do i know what i'm supposed to do (laughs) like can we just change the laws to be better as opposed to getting rid of them altogether i'd really love to have there still be some sort of guidance about like how fast I'm supposed to drive or whatever. Like yeah. 100%. <laughs> so I'm not like Sammy Hagar. I can drive 55 if need be. Um, weird reference. Didn't see it coming. Sort of like Sammy Hagar. What? Anyways. Hey, Gar. <laughs> hey, uh, Colin, are you, is that, is, are you good? Do you feel good. satisfied? That's all, that's all cool. I got. Let me, uh, let's, uh, walk quickly out of here with our new uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. branded prosthetics. Uh, Finally and... something we can agree on. Wait, are, is that... Is that... Wait. Are we fighting? <laughs> As, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, I am James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. You know, Colin, uh, we want to shake things up and, uh, and show them something that they've never seen before. Same Prosthetic like leg? Or like what? Excelsior. Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.